0: You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wobby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. So good evening, everybody. It is so wonderful to be back here at Muster Monday. Tonight we are going to start a completely new uh, a new subject. I thought it might be a very, very good idea to at least learn the first chapter of the Ramchal's book of M'silat Yisharim, which is the path of the just or way of the upright. And I think it's really an amazing book. And I'll just tell you a few things from the introduction of the Ramchal, and then we'll go straight into the first chapter. The Ramchal begins by telling us, that I did not write this book to teach you anything you don't know. Because you know it all. You're all wise people. You're smart people. You're capable people. You're talented people. And you know a lot. And you don't, you're not going to learn anything new. So why am I writing this book? Because of all of the knowledge we have in these areas, we lose sight of it. And we don't recognize... You ever look for your keys and the keys are right there in front of you, but you just don't see them? Why? Because you're so used to seeing them, in the, in the you know, so you, you don't recognize them. You ever paint your house and you're like, wow, I love that color. And how long does it take for you not even to realize that the color has changed? Right, It's about a week or two and you're done. You see new drapes and it becomes normal and you don't even realize how special it is. You buy a brand new car. And you're like, ah, that leather smell, ah, that new car smell, ah. How long does that last? Not long. You think that oh, I'm going to have this freshness, this newness, forever, right? It's always going to be like new. I'm always going to take care of it like it's new, and it just lasts a week, maybe two weeks, three weeks. You start throwing your coffee cups down. No, of course not. No, no, right? But but you know, it's just a matter of time till 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 that till you get. It. Ramchal is teaching us here, is telling us first in the introduction, is that because these things is so common for us, we don't even pay attention. I'll give you another example. Is there anybody here who doesn't think that anger is terrible? Or show your hands if you think anger is okay. Anger is perfectly fine. No, nobody. We all agree. Yet, do any of us get angry? One of the great muscles that we have that If we don't exercise it, we lose it, is an example I've given numerous times. We're all capable of being givers. But if we don't exercise the giving muscle, then we stop being givers. You have to exercise that muscle. We all know that giving is a very important thing. But yet, sometimes we we fall short of our responsibilities because we just haven't exercised it. We haven't thought about it. We haven't... What the Ramchal is dedicating this book to is not things we don't know. It's things we know. But it's things that we, because we know them so well and they've been repeated multiple times throughout our lives in great lengths sometimes. So we know it. And we don't, you know, anybody know that the, anybody can ask just a random question, okay? Anybody know what the speed limit is here right on this road? I have no idea. We assume that, that the city speed limit is 35, right? It's the city speed limit. But do we notice every time we pass a, a speed limit sign that, oh, yeah, okay, I'll remember now 30. No, because we saw it about 50,000 times already. So because we know it so well, we sometimes don't even know it. And we're driving 55. And we're driving, exactly. And also we're driving too fast <laughs> to even notice, right? That's right. So the, the first thing Ramchal is telling us in his introduction is I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Everything I'm going to tell you, you know already. However, because it's so common, because you know it so well, you don't pay attention to it. It's a very important point. Now, the next thing he says is that you have different types of people. You have the really, really smart intellectualites. These these really smart people. And then you you have scientists, and you have all these different... And people think that only the dense minded, only the only the, the small people, only the small people really work on their traits. You know who works on their anger? The guy who's limited on his intellectual capacity. You know, that's the guy who works on his his traits because us intellectual people, you know, we're busy dealing with, you know, with the stars and the moon and all of the other uh, galaxies. And we, we can tell you how to send the rocket to the moon. But, you know, but for us to work on our traits. And it's funny because if you look at all of these philosophers, the great philosophers that the worst traits you can possibly imagine, the worst traits. They were arrogant. They were selfish. They were, they were madmen, but they were brilliant. So just because someone is smart, sometimes they think this is beyond me. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm so much greater than working on kindness or working on patience or working on, you know, uh, on, on arrogance. I'm just too smart for this. This is for the people who don't have as much intellect as I do. It's a big mistake. And the Ramchal tells us, I'm here writing this book for those who desire to get close to God. For those who desire to be God-like. The word Adam, which is mankind, we all know comes from the word Adama, which means from the earth, because man was taken from the earth. God took earth and molded man. But what does that have to do with us? So, so, so God created us from the earth, so therefore we're earth. Now what? So if you take the word Adam, it also, also the root of it is also Adameh. Not only Adama, which is earth, but Adame, which means to emulate. To be Godlike. That's our purpose in this world, is to be Godlike. How Godlike can we become? God is all patient. God is all kind. God is all giving. God is all forgiving. God is all forgetting of our sins. God is all patient. Those are the traits we as Adam, as mankind, we're trying to emulate. We're trying to emulate God's traits. You ever wonder how much patience a parent has for a child? Sometimes very limited. But imagine how much more patience God has for us. Much more than a parent has for a child guarantee it sometimes a parent could say you know what put that video game on and just get out of here just just go just go what, what, yes buy it no problem just go I had students many years ago majority of my students were from uh, Los Angeles and the, the guy who got cheaped out uh, these were all 17 year olds so since they were 16 they had their own cars and the guy who was who was a cheap guy, uh, got only a Lexus. The other guys were all driving Beamers. And I asked them, I said, I don't understand. Which one of your parents thought it was a good idea for a 16-year-old boy to have a BMW? Who thought Who thought it was a good idea? You know what their answer was? Our parents just didn't want to deal with us. So they gave us a car and go, just get out of my life. And it's a terrible thing. Hashem says, no, 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 I want you. I want to have a relationship. And sometimes in that relationship, God has to mold circumstances to get us to be committed to that relationship, just as he wants us to be committed to that relationship. What the Ramchal then continues to say is that the true service of God does not require one to inflict pain upon themselves or to distance themselves from pleasure. You know, one of the big contrasts that Judaism has with other religions is that in many other religions, or at least in a few in particular, in order to grow spiritually, you need to remove yourself physically. You need to, you need to be materialistically ignorant in order to connect spiritually. And we know that there are priests, A priest can't get married because they have to refrain from all worldly pleasures. So in order to grow spiritually, you have to remove yourself physically. In Judaism, that's not the case. In Judaism, you cannot grow spiritually without the physical. And taking that physical and elevating it. So you need to take the physical world that we're living in and make it spiritual. Why do we make a blessing on food? Because now that this food becomes a vessel through which you connect to Hashem, to the Almighty, now this food is no longer food. This food now became a vessel of spirituality. That's so why we say make a blessing. It's not We can eat because we want to satiate our hunger, or we can eat to give us energy to serve God. We're doing the same act of eating. I could be eating with someone, eating a hot dog, a burger. Okay, so we both order the same burger. Great. One makes a blessing and one doesn't make a blessing. Is this still the same food? Well, potentially, it, it looks like the same food. But when one makes a blessing on that food, food, that food became a vessel through which one connected to the Almighty. It's no longer food. Now it's all spiritual. That food became a tool through which you connect to God. To the other, it may just be materialistic food, physical food. We see that there are different ways we can live in this world. We can live a completely physical world, life, a completely spiritual or what seems to be spiritual world that is removed from all physical, or we can live in a perfect blend of both. And that's what Judaism is. Judaism is all about blending the two worlds of physical and spiritual. The big question is how to do that. How do you take something physical and make it spiritual? So that's one of the things that the Ramchal will focus on. Now, many people also think that in order to get to the point where I am spiritual, I have to inflict pain upon myself, so I remove myself even more from a physical world. I'm, you know, there's this this idea that people roll uh, unclothed in snow, right? And it's a form of affliction. It's a form of, uh, of of purification, sort of like removing all physical elements for Rambam says that, that that's not that's not that's not going to get you any holy. That's not going to get you any closer. You might want to do that as 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 a, as a uh, an activity if you go to Alaska and you want to experience what it means to be freezing gold, There are people who do that. That's not the way the Torah wants. That's not the way the Almighty wants us to connect to Him. Oh, so there are times. There's a right time for it. We see that uh, by, the, by 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 uh, Mordechai and Esther. There was a time, but it was a very limited time. <clears throat> it was three days of sackcloth and ashes. That's what that time required. But it's not a regular state of, of existence. We see the same with, with uh, where, like, you have Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av. So you have a 25-hour period. You just sit on the floor. You you, you don't eat, <clears throat> right? Okay, that there's a time for that as well. But look at Shabbos, on the other hand. On Shabbos, there's a mitzvah to eat. By the way, there's this myth that calories don't count on Shabbos. They count right after Shabbos, okay? On Shabbos, they don't. Right after Shabbos, they do. But there's a special mitzvah to eat on Shabbos. And not only to eat, to eat the finest foods you can get. The Talmud tells us that one of the great sages would go to the marketplace on Sunday to see this really nice, good, good, juicy piece of meat, right? So he would say, ah! Oh, I found the meat for Shabbos. And the next day it'd come to the marketplace again. And he found the even better cut of meats. He says, Ah, oh, I found a great piece of meat. This is for Shabbos. Comes Tuesday. And then every day, because the focus is, yeah, what's the best I can get for Shabbos? People sometimes have the question as to, well, can you afford Shabbos? I mean, it's, it's you know, you're buying meat and you're buying good food. It can get it can get costly. God tells the Jewish people, by the way, this is a promise. Anybody can take it to the bank. Take it to the bank. Levu Borrow on me. You don't have money? No problem. For Shabbos? Borrow on me. I pay you back. I got you covered. It's a promise from God. Try it. And if you do have the money, then you better spend it. But if you don't have the money, you're cautious. Oh, well, I don't know. That. You know what? God says, I'll cover that expense. And that expense does not include, it doesn't go into the account of the set amount of income that one is designated for Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, one of the things that we have judgment on is how much money will we earn that year? From Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. The money for Shabbos is not included. That's on top of it. Depends on what you spend. Might as well eat good food. God is saying, eat on me. It's on the house. Order anything you want from the menu. It's on me. Do it for the honor of Shabbos. So, it's just another idea of how the Jewish people don't run away from materialism. We don't run away from delicacies. On the contrary, there's a right path through which we connect with delicacies and and materialism. Not just for self-gratification, but for glorification of God. And again, we're living in a culture or in a world where that sort of it's like isn't that hypocritical? Isn't that how can you be godly and be physical? We'll we'll get to that. Any questions so far? A Shy crowd here. Okay. Will God give you a credit card. Hmm. Yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Let's begin with the beginning of the first chapter. The beginning of the first chapter is as follows Yesoda Hasidut Shavoda Hatmima. Who I'm going to translate every word. So the Ramchal begins the following, in the following way. He says, "Yisod the foundation of true piety, and the root of perfect service of Hashem." We focus here for a second on the words. We give two different types of definitions. We give the foundation of true piety. Foundation, and the other is the root of perfect service of Hashem. Anybody notice two different types of things here? One is a foundation, and one is a root. What is a root? A root, root of a tree. A root grows organically. What is a foundation? Foundation is man-made. You dig down, you put the bricks, and you put all the all of the foundation that's necessary there all the cement or whatever it is, and the deeper the foundation, the taller the building. The wider the foundation, the wider the building. It all depends on how you built the foundation. You built a solid foundation, you can build a solid building on top of it. You built a weak foundation, you'll have a weak building on top of it. But that is all in your hands, so to speak. It's something which you control it's something which is in your hands. It's your choice. What is something like a root, like a root of a tree that grows organically? You got to give it time. The more you water it, the more you nurture it, the stronger, the bigger, the taller, and the deeper it gets. These are two separate functions. My grandfather mentions this when he talks about education educating children, he says you need these two functions for education. You need the function of planting and you need the function of building. The times, the child needs encouragement, the child needs, uh, you know, he needs to be built. And that's when you're doing that building. And there are times you just have to let it grow. Let the child grow. And you can't, you know, think about, about it like this. My, uh, so I had a friend of mine Who brought over to my house a a, an etrog tree, a citrus tree, and it was this little little citrus tree, and we planted it, and of course you have to wait three years before because you have the laws of the Torah tells us you can't touch a fruit tree for the first three years you can just gotta let it grow wild. After three years, then you can start enjoying from its fruit. Imagine. That after you know, forget a fruit tree, but it just you have my children. Sometimes they bring home this little little uh little cup with dirt in it. I'm like, what's in that cup? They're like, oh, if we water it, my my teacher told me that if you water it, then you know we're going to start seeing it grow. Okay, and then we'll find out. So what what do we what, what happens? Let's see. We water a little bit. Water another little bit. Water another little bit. And then a few days later, you start seeing the buds coming out. Like, oh, it's so exciting. The buds are there. But you know what? I want it to be a full tree already. So let's grab those buds and let's pull it out. Right? So that way it becomes a tree. What's going to happen? You're going to ruin your whole plant. Why? Because you're going to pull out its roots. You can't force growth of something organic. right? You have to let the growth, you have to let the roots take their, take, their, take their way, let them establish themselves so that it can continue to grow. So we have these two ways in which we grow as human beings. There are parts of us that need to be built and parts that need to get their roots in. Just a, a few examples of this. If you try to teach a four-year-old how to, to drive a car, you might be devastated that your car got crashed and you can't figure out why, right? I, I don't understand. I told them what to do, and I understand why they just don't follow instructions because they're not exactly at that t- at that time ready for this kind of information. That doesn't mean that there isn't one kid in China who can ride a tractor or you know or drive a bus. Okay, we're not we're not saying that there isn't somebody out there who is skilled in those areas, and there 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 are children miracle these. These uh, miracle babies who, uh, you know, two years old, they can read the whole book of uh, Harry Potter and understand it. And they have the greatest vocabulary in the world. And they can uh, pass any of those games, the game shows, what are they, uh, um, Wheel of Fortune or any of those, uh, what are those like ones? Jeopardy, or- Jeopardy. So talented. That's not the, mo- the majority of us. We all have these two functions. One is that we need to be built in that. By the way. For the most part, is the responsibility of a parent, is to build that child, is to give them the support and to give them the encouragement and to give them the the freedom when needed as well, but to keep on building. That's a parent, and that doesn't really stop at any point. That they, they say, "Oh well, they're eighteen. Goodbye, get out." This needs this is a constant life job of a parent is to build and to build and to build. But then we have another part, which is organic. And this, for example, our sages tell us is that the Mishnah says that at the age of three, a child learns one thing. At, ch- at the age of five, a child learns uh, another thing. At the age of ten, a child learns another thing. Not one thing, but there's, an, right? So at the beginning, when a child is able to talk, they start teaching them uh, Torah, Tzivala, is So first you teach them Emunah, you teach them faith. First thing you teach a child is to say, Torah Moshe. The Torah was commanded to us by Moshe. So that you right away instill in that child, faith in Hashem, in his Torah. That's how you start. Then, when they're five, they start learning Chumash. They start learning the Torah. When they're ten, they start learning Mishnah. When they're fifteen, they start learning Talmud. When they're thirteen, they, they're obligated to mitzvot, for males. For females, it's 12 years old. And we discussed that, the 12 and 13 year, why it's 12 for a female, and why it's 13 for a male. We discussed that in our Talmud class on Fridays at 12 o'clock. Lunch learn. Be there. And then at 18, that's time to get married. Shmonai lechupa. There's a time for everything. When you're 20, when you're 30, when you're 40, and you're 50, you're 60, 70, each one, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, in ethics of our fathers, gives us a, an exact responsibility of what we're obligated to at that time. Or what we mature to at that time. Why? why? Why can't I teach them Talmud when they're five years old? Because you'll do damage to the child. They're not ready for it. There's a right time for things. You have to let them grow organically it needs to come at the right time you can't force it on the child you can't force it on an adult you know someone comes to work for you, you expect them day one let's go do this do this do this do this you come the next day like, Where where are the jobs I gave you <laughs> I can't remember everything you said what do you mean like, you can't remember I told you you understand it takes time for them to acclimate to their n- new environment to you know to, to figure out what needs to be done and that's a normal state of our growth. So we have these two functions. So the first thing Ramchal is telling us is that there are these there are these two functions. And that is, So the first part is that it's got to become clear and verified to himself, to a person, what is his obligation in his world. My grandfather asks, Teaching us how to learn the writings of Ramchal, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lotzato, the author of this incredible work. He says, if you, there's a du- duplicitous terminology. To clarify and verify, what do you need these two different terminologies? So, this, this is a theme that you see throughout the writing of Ramchal, where he's using these two, a duplicitous term. Can anybody explain what the difference is between clarifying and verifying? Seems the same, almost. How do you get to true piety and the root of perfect service of Hashem? It is formed by a person clarifying and verifying. Let's let's understand something. We have two very different functions. Hold hold head here for, for a second. Okay, We have two different functions that make our decisions, or that at least should make our decisions. I'll tell you a story, and I, I've shared this story before here. I got a, a phone call from a dear friend of mine. He says to me, what do I do? He says, my wife called me up. She went out shopping, and she said she found this amazing dress for 70% off, and it's only $350, and she wants to know if she should buy it. And he says, so he was young, young guy, $350, What? We're not going to a wedding. We don't need to, like, it's like what, $350 for that. Absolutely. Are you crazy? We can't afford that. You know, we can't afford that. She says, but it's 70% off. You know, it, you know, you know how much money I'm saving. Do you understand? And he says, but we can't afford it. Now, what's this argument that's going on? What's going on is that she has an emotional desire to buy this, this garment. It's her heart. He has His intellect, which tells him, we can't afford it. I don't care how beautiful it is. I don't care why you want it. I don't care how many percent off. But, right? So, you have these two functions. The the desire, I I want this. And on the other hand, the intellect which says, this is no good. I'll give you another example. Someone who you don't like says something. You don't like this person for whatever reason. And you want to say something and just bite back at them. So, you have that line. It's ready to go. It's a zinger. Of, of all zingers, all right? And you're going to you're gonna lace into them and it's the perfect crowd because you can embarrass them and you just got them nailed, right? So your heart is saying, go get them, get them, get them. And your intellect says, you know something? Not the right thing to do. As much as I want to, it's just not the right thing to do. So it's not the question of which one. The question is, who's going to win? Who's going to win? The intellect or the emotion? That's the real question. A person wants, you have, uh, someone is saying about how great their new, uh, uh, their new boat is. Oh, no, they just bought this, this little uh, jet ski and you want to one-up them and tell them, you know, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I rode those kinds of things. Now I drive, I ride fast things. You want to one-up them, right? So you want to, you want to gloat. You want to show off. Your emotion tells you, yeah, uh, I really want everyone to know how, but your your intellect is telling you, you know what, maybe uh, hopefully, if your intellect works properly, hopefully you would tell tell you you know what, let them show off and let them be proud of their thing, and don't don't steal their thunder, but who's going to win? How many times do we just want to say something, and we can't hold ourselves back, even though we know it's going to do us damage? Ask any married man, don't say it, just don't say it. No, you had to say it. Why did you have to say it? Just hold back. Keep quiet for another 10 more minutes and you're in the safe zone, right? No. Right? You agree? (laughs) All the time? Because we get used to following our emotion versus our intellect. If you look at television or if you look at movies or if you look at, it's all targeting your emotions. That's all it is. You watch a football game. Guess what? As soon as it's, it's getting exciting, time out. Okay, now they're gonna take a five-minute commercial and they're gonna to try to sell you anything from Buffalo Wings to cars to shampoo to and everything is gonna sell. They're not gonna be sad people like, I really can't afford this car. This is terrible, bad decision. Right? No, no, no. It's gonna be like, Woo, happy holidays, right? A brand new car, zero down, zero APR, zero, 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 zero. Just come in, sign and go. They're trying to work with your emotion. And look how beautiful that car is. And it comes with a big, huge ribbon on top, right? And you go to the store, it's like, no ribbon, right? They're dealing all with our emotions. And that's the problem is that we're not exercising using our intellect enough. So what the Ramchal is telling us, number one, is you have two functions, your mind and your heart. Now, let me ask you a question. Anybody know why the Golan Heights is so important to, to, to the state of Israel? Golan Heights. Why is it strategic advantage? Because it's up high. Whoever's on high controls, right? It works the same in the physiology of man. You know, animals are all horizontal. Most. We're all horizontal. Man is vertical. Why? Well, not only because we're higher. Because your mind is supposed to be your primary function. You're supposed to follow your mind, not your heart. The problem is sometimes it doesn't get up to the top. Because we are so instinctive and impulsive with our actions and reactions. So we don't end up using our mind properly. So instead of becoming people who use our intellect to make our decisions, which is at the top, we skip the top and go straight to our heart. See, the reason why animals are all at the same height is because, have you, anyone, has anyone ever seen a camel with a college degree? Anybody ever see a cat A, a cat worrying? Where am I going to get food for my children tonight? How am I going to feed them? What's going to be on the table for Shabbos? Right? You never saw a cat worrying about that. Why? Because they live in a very, very different existence than we do. And they live in a world of much more trust of the Almighty. God feeds all of his creatures. Right? It's part of our blessings that we say every day. That God feeds all of His creations, everyone, including human beings, everybody. That's God's job, but we don't trust God enough, so like we got to worry for it, we got to take care of it. Animals, are the word in Hebrew for animals is behema, bet hey mem hey, which also if you divide the word bet hey, and mem hey, it's two different words, which is ba. Ma, which is within it, is everything. You take a cat, for example, which is one minute old, and you put it on the rooftop. You know what will happen? Look around. Nice place. Got a nice pad over here, right? Looks around. He walks to the edge of the roof. He looks down. Nah, not a good idea. Turns around, walks away. Take a one-year-old baby and put it on a rooftop. Where do you think they're going? Right down. Why? Because we're Adam. Adam. Adam is like the earth, like we mentioned earlier. The earth, you need to plow, you need to sow, you need to you need to n- nourish it. You need to teach it. It's it's instincts. You need to teach it. We we grow like this, like like what comes from the soil, from the earth. If you don't plant, you know, you ever drive out to West Texas, like really far west, like seven hundred miles from here west, and just see a a beautiful table on the side of the road set in beautiful, in a, you know, with flowers and chairs around it. Would anybody think that that just happened on its own? No. Obviously, it, someone needed to do something to get it there. Would you ever go in the middle of a desert and find a, a, a beautiful um, apple tree? No, unless someone actually went there and planted it. These things don't just happen on their own. You have to plant it in order for it to grow. You need to do something for it in order for it to grow. Animals don't need schooling to get their instincts. A lion doesn't need to learn how to kill another animal in school. It's built in. They have this built in. Their instincts are built in. That's the same with with this. as small as an ant. Even lice, which is the smallest of ants, It knows exactly where it needs to be, when it needs to be, how it needs to be, everything, all the way to the biggest animal. Have all its instincts built in. Now it doesn't mean they can't learn tricks. It doesn't mean they can't ride a unicycle and juggle at the same time. They can, but their instincts are are the instincts. You know, there was once an argument they say between the Rambam and other great philosophers, where they argued whether or not you can change the nature of something. And the Rambam said you can't change the nature. They said, well, why don't you come, come to the palace, and we'll show you cats that can serve as waiters. We trained them. He says, but you still can't, you can train them, but you can't change their nature. They said, oh, well, we'll show you. So they go in, he goes in, and he sits down, and they're about to serve the food, and indeed the cats are coming out, and he said, you see, you see, the cats are coming out with the trays, and they're serving, just like, it's unbelievable, like, he pulls out of his, out of his pocket a little bag. And in the bag, there's a little mouse. He lets the mouse go. They drop the plates and they run. <laughs> right? You can train it, but you can't change its nature. Right? You can't change its nature. It's all built in. Right? It's not because they were trained very well as children. It's in the nature of who they are. Man, we have a lot of things in our nature. One of them is that we're extremely lazy. You know why? See this pen, this marker? What happens if I leave go of it? Falls down. Guess what? We're just like this marker. We like to just relax. Sit back on the beach chair. Sit back on the recliner. Get comfortable. We don't want to go out. We don't want to run. We don't want... We have to. We might be motivated by career. We might be motivated by money. We might be motivated by honor. We might be motivated by a lot of different things. But by nature, we're heavy. We're lazy. That's the way we are. Rabchal talks about that. This way starts right away in the beginning of the sixth chapter. That's where he starts. adam kaved me'od. The nature of man is that we're extremely sluggish. He doesn't want to just be in the air floating around. He just drops down and that's it. Leave me alone. That's the way we are. So how do we change that? Well, that's what Rabchal is teaching in his book. How do we become people that go get them versus people who are just, this is the way it is, I'm just tired, I'm just, you know, I'm old, leave me alone. I, you know, so that, that's what, that's what the, the Ramchal is dealing with. So now, we have these two different functions. We said, what are the two functions? Intellect, our mind, our intellect, and our heart, our emotion. Interesting that in the Shema, I remember the last chapter we spoke in the Shema, he spoke about Lo taturach You should not go run after your impulse, your urges of your heart and your eyes. It's the same, right? The eyes are connected to the heart. The eye sees, the heart desires. If you didn't look at their purse or their shoes, you wouldn't desire it. But you looked. Now you want it. That's why don't ever let your wife go window shopping. It's just going to cost you more. Because she's just going window shopping. You know what happens a week later? No longer window shopping. It's shopping, shopping. Because all those things, all those desires, all of those wants that they saw are now there. It's just a very interesting thing of how our eyes have a very strong impact on us. But we have to let our intellect operate. So let me ask a question as follow So If... I know that humility is a very good trait. Does that mean that I will start being humble? No. So you see that there's a difference between clarifying it and understanding it and verifying it, meaning making it part of my existence. Very different. You can see a hundred videos about safe driving and still be a terrible driver because you haven't put it into practice. Just because you know something doesn't mean you do something. A person can know how to pray doesn't mean they pray. A person can know how to play basketball doesn't mean they actually can play basketball. So I always wonder about coaches. They're yelling at their players, do this, do that. Do that. Get on the field and let's see you try to do that. Let, let's see, right? It's like easy to say, right? But can you do it? It's the same thing with our traits. Easy for us to say what's right and what's wrong, but let's... Let's see if we can actually put it into our actions in a daily, in a daily. Right. So this is so. Whenever the Ramchal is using this duplicitous terminology, what he's saying is it's a stage one. Understand it. Stage two, internalize it. Make it part of your daily routine. Make it part of your (coughs) doing on a regular basis. Two very different worlds. My grandfather always says that there are two different parts of Musar study. There's learning Musar, and then there's the work of Musar. There's the learning of Musar, which is to just know, get an understanding of what it is that we should be doing. And then it's how do we implement it and get it into our daily routines. Verify is just a terminology used in the translation if you do it in in, in the Hebrew it should become clear right to clarify amet from the word emet which is truth make it real make it real within yourself he uses the term verify right but it really is to make it real within yourself it's not just a concept oh it's a terrible thing to yell It's, a, it's terrible right And they go. Did you hear what I said? I said it's a terrible thing to yell, right? It's like people don't even realize that they they could be saying something, and they themselves not even following through on what they on what they know is the right thing. You you know there are people they could preach something, and yet completely not live by what they preach. They don't live it. Why? It's not because they're evil people. It's because they haven't harnessed this mechanism of Learning it, knowing it, does not mean that you will actualize it, and that's what the Ramchal is identifying right in the beginning. Okay, means it's not enough for you to have clarity on this. You also have to make it real. You have to implement it, put it into your daily practice. So think about it. We all know that. Yeah, I always tell say this, and we learned this previously that. Everything that you see going on around you is a, le- is a, is a message. It's a message. You ever standing there with your friend and he sees something and you don't see it? Or she sees it and you don't see it? And you're like, you're standing right there. They, they saw it like, whoa, right? And you're like, what, what, what just happened? Like, you didn't see it was right in front of your face. Like, how could you not see it? Guess what? God didn't want you to see it. There's nothing you can learn from that story, perhaps, which is why God didn't want you to see it. The person right next to you you, had to learn a lesson. There was something that they needed to learn from that experience, which is why, or a message they were supposed to get from it, which is why they saw it and you didn't see it. You're right there. The Valshemtov, I believe it is, that says that everything you see is like a mirror. You see someone yelling at their child in Walmart, and you say, oh, they look like lunatics. I'm getting to the other aisle, right? I'm just going away, right? You know why you had to see that? Just know it's a mirror of how you look when you get angry. That's exactly the way you look. When you're trying to discipline your child sometimes, it's a wake-up call. Now, that doesn't mean that you'll stop doing it. So just because you know that it's a terrible thing, anybody here think that stealing is a good thing? No, everybody knows that stealing is a terrible thing. Is there anybody here who can say that they've never even slightest done anything well, like even one penny, one penny off, right? We hope that's what we aspire to be. Well, one penny, not even on the taxes and not on anything, not one penny. Well, a little bit here, maybe a little bit over there, but you know, it's not, it's nothing significant. It's just a toothpick. You know, it's like, you know, I tell my children, we go, we go to the restaurant or we go to a restaurant. Sometimes when when you go out, they have like these candies and they have, so some people think this means stock up. Okay? Yeah. I, it's like candies. I'm missing a few in my car. They grab a few, and now they have for their car. And the that toothpicks. Would be me. What? That would be me. Yeah. So there's, there's a story that one of the Tanaic sages was walking on a shortcut. And he stopped on the shortcut. There was a little picket fence. So the sage took a little piece, like a little, little sliver of a piece of the, of the picket fence, and he used it as a toothpick. So the daughter said, you're, the daughter of the, of the, of the landowner said to the rabbi, you have to pay for that. He says, what's this? It's a little sliver of what? It's nothing. It's, so, he said, yeah, but then the next person comes, takes a little. The next person comes, before I know it, I don't have a fence. He said, you're right. It's forbidden. You're not allowed to do that. Then you have to, have to pay because, you know, it's, it's just, just a toothpick, you know, it's just a toothpick. Now it could very well be. That the restaurants don't mind. That's, that's like the sort of the, uh, the, the thank you for, for shopping here. Thank you for, uh, for, for coming to our restaurant. Take a few candies and take a few. I, but I tell my children that you're not meant to take more than one. Cause if everybody takes 10, they're not going to have any. So take one, not one for later. Now it's one for now. And I want them to learn that you have to be careful about even a toothpick from a restaurant. Now, please don't write me notes about how you never took another toothpick from a restaurant, and don't don't reprimand anybody saying you know you're a thief. Okay, you took two toothpicks, right? You know the rabbi said you're a thief. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. Okay, yeah, please don't tell him the other rabbi, the one down the block. The fact that we know something doesn't mean, you know, I I, get, I bet that if you went over to Mister uh, Madoff and you say, tell me. Is stealing a good thing? You said stealing is a terrible thing. It's immoral. It's unethical. You shouldn't do it, right? So, so, so what happened? So what happened? Just because you know something doesn't mean you do something, right? And that's what the Ramchal is beating up again and again. It's not enough to know something; you have to put it in, into actualization. By the way, it's every area like this. It's also religiously, it's with, with with things, right? We could know about Shabbos, doesn't mean we actually observe Shabbos. We could know about prayer, doesn't mean we actually pray. We could know about mitzvahs, doesn't mean we actually observe them. It's also about our traits. Just because we know that something is a good or a bad trait doesn't mean <coughs> that we do or don't do them. So he says, <coughs> A person needs to clarify and make real To themselves, what is his obligation in his world? So my grandfather points this out as one of the very, very important and critical teachings of the Ramchal. What is his obligation? Not in the world. In his world, every single individual, every single one of us here in this room, has their own obligation in their own world. You were born in Des Moines, Iowa, right? And you were born born to a very specific family with siblings, with parents, aunts, uncles of your own, right? This is your world. It's your own perfect world. And you know what? You're going, you as an individual, have your challenge that you need to perfect in your world. So now the person sitting next to you says to you, hey, that's so interesting that you do that, you know. That you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that in like not understanding perhaps what your world is. Their world is a different world where they grew up. It might be a different, a different way in which they conduct themselves. So what happens is, is that sometimes we think, well, we're all in a world together, right? And therefore we should all have the same set of standards. Well, that's not necessarily true. Yeah, we should have laws. The laws should be the same, the same set of laws. But as individuals, everyone has their own purpose and they have their own responsibility and they have their own set of things that they need to accomplish during their lifetime. And what your obligation to, to accomplish in your lifetime can and most likely is very different than any other person in this room. And nobody in this room has the same purpose. Okay, so that's going to lead to another question. Well, Rabbi, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Okay, that's what we have the Ramchal for, and that's what we're going to be learning in the coming weeks. Ma chovato be'olamo? What is your obligation in your world? You were born with a certain set of skills. You are an individual. You are unique. There will never, ever be a Benjamin again like you. Ever, 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 there will never be one like you. I wonder. Well, why did God give me all of my characteristics, all of my life situation for what? So that I just be like another Joe? Why? God gave me exactly what I need to be the greatest me. Ah, oh, now I have to start investigating. What is who? Who is me? Who am I? That's our job. That's the entire purpose of what Omchala is writing. Let's identify who we are. And then once we identify who we are, we got to make it real and actually focus our attention to accomplishing what we need to accomplish throughout our lifetime. So, I have a worksheet of of understanding our own traits, which has a random selection of 13 positive traits and 13 negative traits. And you can mark yourself where you feel you are in those traits. Now, some of those traits you may not even recognize that even possess those traits, positive or negative. Like me, nah, I never get angry. Nah, it doesn't exist. Well, you have to think into it. What is really anger? Uh, Arrogance, me, (laughs) arrogance, right? There are many different traits that are listed over there, positive and negative traits, I'll be happy to send them out. God willing, next week I'll have copies for everyone. But to just get, get to identify that we are a unique individual. Every single one of us. There's no two yous. There never will be. Just like your DNA is different. Just like your fingerprint is different. So too, your personality is different. Your purpose in this world is different. Your uniqueness in this world is different. And your job is your obligation of what you need to accomplish on planet Earth is very special and different than what anybody else is required to to accomplish in their lifetime. So our big goal, hopefully, with understanding the coming teachings of the Ramchal is to get as much of an understanding as possible into ourselves of who we really are and putting it into action. that, my friends, thank you so much. Have a good evening. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.